you ever go on vacation with your family? I've done this before. Um, and it always feels like there's uh, this question at the beginning of a day on a vacation. And I didn't realize that because for like a lot of years we never went on vacation. And so now we started to like, you know, uh, find a vacation. And there's always this one question that they ask at the beginning of the day or at the end of the previous day. They go, so, and they say this in a hundred different ways, but it's basically this. It's, so, what's the plan? What's the plan? Like, we're here. What's the plan? Great that you brought us here, but what are we going to do? Like, what's the, what's the plan, right? And I, I tell you, that's a fantastic question to ask in any area of life. You know, if your company is going through a difficult time, a great question to ask and answer is, so, what's the plan? How are we going to get out of this issue? How are we going to get out of this problem? If your marriage is experiencing great difficulty, pain, and suffering, and one of, uh, you know, one of the spouses says, don't worry, we'll get through this, a good follow-up question is, okay, so... What's the plan, right? We've got to know what the plan is. We've been in a series. We've been in a series called Jesus Uncovered. And what we've been trying to do is we've going to be trying to understand and see Jesus for who he is during the season of Lent. And I think this is the highest, the highest thing that we could do is to um, look at Jesus and see and savor and, and delight in who he is. And so we've been looking at it and the first week we looked at it, it was, we saw Jesus as the king. He's the one, and we're going to be re referencing that today. Um, he's the king. He's the glorious one. And then uh, the week after that, we saw Jesus as servant. And we saw how not only is he king, and he's powerful, and he's one to be submitted under, unto, but he's also servant. You know, he's one who comes to serve and love, and sacrifice himself for. And then last week we looked at Jesus as God. He is God. He's not a God. He's not a high angel. He's not the brother of Lucifer. He's not any of these things. He's, he's God. And that was breathtaking to look at. Today, we're going to um, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, and we're going to see Jesus as our plan. He's the plan. If you ask, what's the plan? You go, Jesus. Jesus is the plan. And so, I want you to know this. I, I was kicking myself today. I was kicking myself throughout this week. As I go, why do you put yourself through this? This is really one of the most complex texts in the scriptures. It's one sentence that takes up like 11 verses. It's just breathtaking, this, this, this section. I promise you, I'm going to butcher and do this badly. But I'm going to do the best I can, and we're going to look at God's plan. And so um, we're going to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And what we're going to do is we're going to take sort of a 30,000-foot view of this passage, and then we're going to hone in on one or two verses. Um, because I'm telling you, this whole passage is just breathtaking. And... Um, it makes me think I should not be a pastor uh, because I don't deserve to be speaking on such great things. So um, if you can, one of the uh, habits that we have at this church, one of our traditions is to stand 
at the reading of God's word. The reason that we stand is because God is awesome. He's wonderful. He's glorious. And so we're grateful that you're here. So let's read God's word. Uh, I'll read verses 3 through 8. And then you guys can read verses 9 and following. We're going to focus on verses 9 through 12. But um, let's get to it. Praise be to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he has chosen us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us, with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, let's all do it, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times each re to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his purpose of his will, in order that we who are the first fruits hope in Christ, might be in the praise of his glory. And you also, oh, that's where we stop there? Okay. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promise, Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession in praise of his glory. This is God's word. Have a seat. Okay. What on earth was that? Yeesh. Okay, so minimally what we're going to look at, and when we look at this um, when we look at this passage, we're going to look at the, let's look at the triunity of God, right? God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the King God of the universe. Um, when we look at this passage, there's first two things that we want to see. And one is that God is Father. This is super big. He's Father. And the second thing is that He's King. He's Father and that He's King. You see this in verse 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us, going on, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to, to sonship through Jesus Christ. Now, this is a big deal. This is such a big deal. Remember how we talked about a few weeks ago how um, God is king? Well, we're, this passage tells you that God is both father and king. We've got to get this father part. 
Many of us, the reason that we find ourselves acting out on things that we ought not to, the reason we worry like we do, the reason we suffer under so much pressure is because we forget that God is our Father. In fact, it wouldn't be far-fetched to say some of us simply live our lives as orphans, as people who don't know that they have a God who is their Father. The problem is, is that when we say God is our Father, it's kind of mind-blowing because, number one, we can do nothing but compare Him to our earthly Father. When we compare our Heavenly Father to our earthly Father, that, for some of us, can be problematic. Because when we do that, what we do is we're, we're taking all the baggage that we have from our earthly father and we're putting, and we're just kind of inflating them onto our heavenly father. In other words, what we say, we don't say this out loud, we don't even say this in our minds, but what we, what we think is simply this. God is like a bigger version than my earthly father. So if you, had a, if you had a father on earth that was unpleasable, guess how you think of God in heaven? He's unpleasable. If you had a father on earth who could, you know, who never gave you any kind of encouragement or props, guess what you think of God? I literally remember one time, um, you know, bringing a, I thought it was awesome, um, uh, I got like a, I forgot what it was, like maybe an 88 or 90 on a test. And I brought it to my father. And I remember him saying, hey, so where's the other, let's say it was a 90. He goes, hey, so where's the other 10 points? And I was like, that's all I got. It's all I got. Like, ask my teacher. She knows better than me. And so, but there's a sense where we can look at God as our father and go, oh, wait, that's what he's like. It's like, oh, oh, did you, you, you fed the hungry? But what about these hungry over here? Oh, you gave this amount of money away? That's so charitable of you, but what about the rest of this? And then, oh, oh, you, you, you started to serve the poor? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But look at all the rest. Of, in other words, it's a God who can't be pleased. And so when we see that, when we see God as a bigger version as a bigger version of the Father that we had here on earth, we have a difficulty in connecting with Him. But God is not a bigger version of what we have here on earth. God is a perfect version of what we had here on earth. In other words, if everything that your Father did, if every word your Father said, if every rule your Father made was full of love, wisdom, compassion, kindness. If everything that your father, if he did that perfectly, then your father would be like the fa our father in heaven. Now, this is important because when we talk about today about God's plan, you need to know that he's a father. Because we, now, remember I said there's two halves of this. One is that he's a father and one is that he's a king. And here's the deal. If you don't get the father part, the king thing is going to scare you to death. Right? So if you live like God is, is just a king and not a father, then you're going to find an unpleasable, scary God. If you live like God is just a father 
and not a king, then you can walk away with some erroneous ideas as well. In fact, many of us live just, many of us fall off the horse on one side or the other. We come to God, and there's a bunch of you here that if you do anything that's out of line, God is going to get you. God is king, but he's not a real good father. Here's what I mean by this. I, I, used to, I wonder if anybody here ever experienced this. I, one time, this is, this is an, uh, an example. This was years ago. I mean, like in the late 90s. It was a long time ago. I hate to say that that's a long time ago because I feel like that was yesterday. But because there's young people in the group, um, and I know that some of you guys weren't born until after uh, the 21st century. So, so here's the deal. I remember I had a meeting to go to. I was, good, I was the speaker at this meeting, and the person who was hosting the meeting was uh, like a person that I really respected and really wanted to think well of me. Well, like everything that I do, I never get the details. It's not part of my personality. I don't get the details. So he goes, it's in like Manhattan. I was like, that's enough for me. And so it was like, you know, he gave me a, 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 an address, an address that was in lower Manhattan where, like, you know, all the buildings are stuck together and not one of the buildings has the actual address. And so you have, like, five buildings to choose from and 30 floors to choose from. It was incredible. And I found myself running from place to place. And again, I really wanted this guy to, to like me. And I, I, I realized that I was ruining that chance for him to like me. And I had a thought in that moment. I was like, and I just, I mean, I, I felt like crying. It seems silly, I know, but just follow me. I felt like crying because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. You're such a loser. You know why this is happening? And this happened without, without my permission. It's like, you know why this is happening? And this is happening because of what you did when you were 10. And I remember, I don't know if you've ever done that. I don't know if you've ever had an experience where you go, oh, you know why you're suffering now? It's because of what you did before. You know why your kids are behaving this way? It's because of what happened before. Do you know why you have this disease? It's because, it's, think about that. When you think of God like this, you absolutely morph God, deform God into something he is not. When we make the connection, when we live in such great fear of God, and some of you actually think this way, honestly, some of, you could, some of you could fall down a flight of stairs and go, you know what? The 70s, that's why that happened. And it's, it's bizarre and insane, but, but we do that. And so when you have a view of God, then that means, like, if you sinned four months ago and you get sick today, that's the reason. That's the reason, because of this sin four months ago. It's just a crazy way to live. Could you imagine? And nowhere is this found in the scriptures. Could you imagine? Could you imagine this? Could you imagine me? And I have my son. I have, I have all of my children, but my youngest one is David. And my five-year-old David, could you imagine him uh, failing a grade? You know, like failing a class, failing a test. And, you know, just blowing it and not studying and all that other stuff. And then three months from that point, uh, me, me getting my belt and just starting to hit him with the belt. And he goes, what was that for? I'm not telling you. Figure it out. 
And then you have to go, well, what did I do? Was it because of what I did? What I did? Is it because of the way I said hello to him? Is it because of what I did that last night? Is it because of what I did two months ago? Is it, when you look at God like that, you destroy any kind of intimacy with him. God is a father who loves you. And he's not a bigger version than your earthly father. He's a perfect version. And he adopts you. Therefore, you are not an orphan. He's chosen you. And he's chosen you since from the foundation of the world. Now, we can't get into too, I mean, honestly, we could spend months on this. We can't get too deep in the weeds on this. But I'm telling you, if you are saved, it was God's prerogative. It was his choice. He pursued you. He, like, do you know, like, have you ever been like this where you said, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't surrender my life to God. I can't surrender my life to God. I'm just, I'm too bad. I've done too many things that are wrong. It's like, and here's the deal. It's, if you ever thought that, you finally agree with God that you are way too bad. But thank God, He pursues you because He's way too good. Way too good. And so He pursues you. And He chooses you. Before, think about this. There are accidental parents. But there are no accidental children. Every one of you. Like your parents might have gone, <gasps> you're kidding. I'm one of those. I'm, uh, I'm what you call an Irish twin. You ever heard that phrase? An Irish twin? Okay, yeah, yeah. An Irish twin is when you have a kid within one year. I mean, you have two kids within, uh, I'm sorry, have a kid and then get pregnant within that same year, right? So me and my sister, in other words, me and my sister are 11 months apart, right? So there's actually a month out of the year where, or it's not quite a month, but it's like, you know, there's this period of time throughout the year where me and her are the same age, right? And so, um, so that took my parents, I took my parents by surprise. They were like, oh, no, this can't happen. But you know, and, and, and listen, and let me just say this, just, just as an aside, and, and and they planned to have an abortion. It was 73. Legalization of abortion had already been passed. And in New York, it had been passed earlier than that. It was old news in New York. But it had passed. Roe versus Wade, 1973. Now, think about this. Think about this. How much, like, my, and maybe my family should think about this, right? How much different would their lives be if they would have gone through with that abortion? It, it just... I, if you're here, by the way, and you're pregnant, I want you to know, and this is not in the notes, I'm just, if you're here and you're pregnant, I want you to know, I want you to know that this is a church that will love you well and that you do not have to, you don't have to murder your baby. That we will, in fact, if you can't take care of your baby, give your baby to me. We'll take care of your baby. And I'll, there's plenty of families here who would be happy to have your baby. Amen. And we'd be glad to do that. Now, if you're here and you've had an abortion, I want you to know that he's not only king, and he says, beloved, this is wrong, don't do this. But he's also father, who says, come here, daughter. You've made some serious... Son, come here. You've encouraged your girl in ways that are evil. Come here. I'm a king, but I'm also a loving father, and I draw 
to myself. Okay. All right. Spent way too much time on that. Sorry. Um, and so let's jump to verse 9. Jump to verse 9. He made known to us. So, so we have to ask ourselves, what's the plan? Here's the plan. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. What's the plan? To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That's the plan. The plan is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on, on earth under Christ. That means you and I were created to be under the lordship of Jesus. You go, I don't know what God's plan is for my life. You go, I'm not sure what God's will is for my life. Here it is. It's to be conformed unto the will, unto the lordship of Jesus. You go, but my life is falling apart. Your life will be falling apart to the degree that it is not under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, there might be some of you here, and, and, and you maybe have come for the first time in like 30 years. You can't believe that you're in a, in a congregation, within a congregation. You can't believe that you're in a church uh, environment. And you go, why? Did I, listen, listen. Here's why you came. Here's why you came. Because God wants you to know that your life, your life can only be best lived under the Lordship of Christ. It's His purpose, His plan for you. And if your life is falling apart, it's to the degree that you are not under the Lordship of Christ. Now, what does it mean to have Jesus to be under the Lordship of Christ? That the plan is to look, to be submitted unto Christ, to look like Christ. That what does it mean for that to be true? It means for all of our hopes and all of our dreams, all of our desires and all of our longings, all of our plans and all of... It means not only our relationships are under His Lordship, but listen to me. Even the way we do our relationships are under His authority. The way we handle our bodies and where we go and what we say is under His Lordship. This is so crazy. To say this in 2019 here in Brooklyn is crazy because the whole point of life, we're told, is to just kind of do us. Like, do what feels right to you. Beloved, I know a ton of people who live like they, like what's right for them. And I'm telling you, the people who have ruined their lives, the times where I've ruined my life, is because I've done what was right for me. You know, we, I mean, this is in everything that we do. In everything that we do, in everything that we say, whatever, watch any Disney movie. Okay, I'm telling you. Any Disney movie. Watch any, anything from Napoleon Dynamite to like 
anything uh, beyond that. Listen to me. Here's the point of the movie. You've taken this in with mother's milk. Here it is. You ready? Here's the phrase. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Like, any, name a Disney movie. Follow your heart is the point. The point of the Disney movie, Moana, follow your heart. Like, name a Disney movie. Like, um, 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 The Lion King, follow your heart. Like, name a Disney movie, anything. Follow your heart. That's the big deal. But following your heart is at odds with having Jesus as our plan. Because here's the thing. I don't know about you, right? I'm 45 now. I know. I look younger, right? Yeah. Not so much. I was in an elevator. True story. I'm in an elevator with my brother. My brother is five years older than me, which is to say like a hundred years older than me, right? When you're growing up, five years is like the difference. Like that means I'm nine years old and he's 14 years old, which is like the distance of a hundred years, right? And so I'm traveling in this elevator and I'm with the person and we're at a job. He got me the job. And so we're going. And then there's a person who comes in the elevator who really likes my brother because my brother was like, yeah, I don't know about y'all. Do y'all have like a perfect sibling? My brother is the perfect sibling. He's like super handsome, looked like a menudo. It's awful. I was so happy when he gained weight. And so, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He looks great now. He's like real skinny now and all that. But we were going up this elevator. And as we were going up the elevator, the woman said, you must be so proud of your younger brother. I'm telling you, if I could have opened the door and dropped her down the shaft, I would have. What was I saying before? I'm 45. That's what I was saying. Okay. So, I'm 45. Follow your heart. That's what we're talking about. Sorry. Okay. So, to follow my heart at 15 meant that I did stuff, and I did follow my heart at 15, that I'm still paying for at 45. Does that make sense? In other words... I still am suffering the consequences of following my heart at 15. At 15, if I could go back, I would tell that young boy, whatever you do, follow God's plan. Don't follow your heart. It's a nightmare. If you follow your heart, it gets real painful real fast. But did you know that at 25, I look back at my 15-year-old self and go, you're so stupid. At 25, I really know about life. And so now I can follow my heart. Did you know that I made decisions at 25, following my heart, that have hurt me till this day? Did you know that at 35, I said, now I really know what life's about? Here's the point. I'm 45. What do you think my 55-year-old self is going to look back on and say about my 45-year-old self? See, I think I'm as smart and as wise as I'm ever going to be, right? right? Because following my heart is always a moving target. It's always. And so to have Jesus as our plan means we have to abandon the things that this world says is important. And we have to say, my life, my family, it's submitted unto you. All right, 
Here's the deal, though. Look at verse 11. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. God is working out everything. 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 To the conformity of his will. Now, what that means is that God's plan is best and that what God is doing is minimally the very best that we could possibly experience. God's plan is better than your plan. God's plan is better than your plan for relationships. God's plan is better than your plan for work. God's plan is better than your plan for your kids. God's plan is better than your plan for your health. God's plan is better than your plan for happiness. God's plan is better than your plan in every single way. But if God's plan is best, if God's plan is better than everything else, then there are two questions. I didn't invent these questions. This comes from the Navigators. Anybody ever, some of y'all have done the Navigators 2-7 series with me, right? Um, okay, so this is like a, Navigators is a group of people who disciple, they're it's a great group. Love those guys. And they said, if you are going to follow God's will above all else, there are two questions that you have to ask. And we'll close with this. We won't close with this. We'll sort of close with this. We'll see. Um, if God's plan is best, we have to ask, am I willing, one, to obey anything God says to me in this area Meaning, am I, am I willing to obey anything that God says to me about these finances, this area? Am I willing to obey anything that God says to me about my relationships? Am I willing to obey anything that God says to me about my finances? Am I willing to obey God anything he says to me about my calling? Am I willing to obey God anything? Am I willing to obey anything God says to me in whatever area of life I'm in? That's a question, isn't it? See, to submit to God's plan, to be under God's lordship, is to say, this dating relationship that I'm in, I'm finding myself sinning in ways that I know is not a delight to Jesus. I need to give myself some space from it. I think that's where the Lord is leading me to. See? Am I willing to obey anything God says to me? Let me tell you what the answer is for me. No. No. I can tell you a thousand different ways I tell God no. A thousand different ways I prove this to be true. God says, Edwin, you spoke harshly to your wife. I want you to go over there and I want you to speak tenderly to her and I want you to confess your sin. No, but she's going to react really badly and it's going to be really painful. Can't I just like read your Bible or something like that? Something really godly? You see where this is going, right? How many ways do we tell God, no, 
I mean, it's just over and over again. We do it in our marriages. We do it with our kids. We do it with our bodies. We do it in a million different ways. Beloved, are we willing to obey anything that God says? Listen, my prayer for today, for me, is that anything that you say. I remember um, Mother Teresa had a, a, like an oath that she made um, to God. If you ever read uh, any, uh, she, she, she didn't write the book, actually. It was her diary, um, which is pretty terrible. When you think of somebody actually publishing for the whole world to see your deepest thoughts that you never thought would be published. In her, um, like before she died, she literally gave instructions to her, um, to her people to burn her writings. And they were like, nah, we'll put it for sale. And I was like, all right. Like, I, I'm just letting the kids know. If I tell you to burn your, the, if you don't burn it, I'm coming back to haunt you. It's going to go bad. It's going to go bad. Um, well, she said that, and they didn't, and, and whatever. But in, in the book, Come Be My Light, which was a very, very powerful book. I read it when I was going through a depression. It was very helpful to me. Um, Come Be My Light. She, um, she said this. She said that early on in her ministry, she said uh, she made an oath to God that I will deny you nothing. I will deny him nothing. That there is nothing that, there's nothing that I'm going to say no to God about. That God doesn't give any suggestions. He only gives commands. I'm going to follow. I want my heart to be more like that. I want to deny God nothing. And I want that for our congregation. That if God says, what if God says, hey listen, what if God says, I want you to leave this building and I want you to set up shop in another building. Can we do that as a congregation? No? No. What if God says, I want us to go into um, smaller house church, like uh, a smaller house church um, method of preaching the gospel, of being churches in people's homes, but not meeting like we do here in the way that we do. Could God do that for here at our house? Maybe. Probably not. What if God says, what if God says, I want those that have been here who have been consumers of what God has given for years and years and years. What if God says, I no longer just want you to be a consumer. I want you to lay down your life and start sacrificing financially with your time and with your abilities. What would that be like? To get to the point where we say, Jesus, you are so much better than any idea or thought that we have, I'd be happy to lay down my life. I'd be, my answer, listen, Jesus, I don't know what you're going to tell me right now. I just want you to know, whatever it is, the answer is yes. I literally remember the first time that happened to me. I was in a point with this church, and I had no idea what to do. I felt all alone. I was working 16 to 18 hour weeks. I was running, and I just, I had no idea what I was going to do. And I remember as I was running, I was like, God, this is the problem. You don't give me any direction. I feel all alone in this. I feel like you've abandoned me to this. And I remember God speaking to my heart. Just go, Edwin, tell me yes. I go, sure, what do you, what do you mean? What are you asking? No, 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 no. Before I ask, 
I want you to tell me yes. I'd be happy to tell you yes if you just told me what you were thinking about around the way, around and about. You don't have to be specific. Is this about my family? Is this about my body? Is this about the church? What is it? No, 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 Edwin. Tell me yes. God, I'd love to tell you yes if you just... Listen, Ed, I'm not going to tell you anything until you tell me yes. God doesn't give suggestions. If Jesus is God's plan, and God's plan is to conform us to the Lordship of Christ, then the first thing practically that you and I have to do is say yes. If God's plan is best, am I willing to obey anything God says to me in this area? Second practical application of this of God's, uh, God's plan being the Lordship of Christ. The second application is this. If God's plan is best, am I willing to thank God for anything he sends to me in this area? Am I willing to thank God for anything that he sends to me in this area? That means I'm not asking God for an easygoing life I'm not making God dependent uh, on my joy and happiness. I'm I'm not forcing God to conform His will to mine. That whatever happens, whether painful, whether suffering, whether glory, what I consider glorious and fun, that I can thank Him for anything he sends. Now, that's a rough one, right? Romans 8 says this, though. And, um, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. That's what Romans 8.28. I have a, a dear mentor his name is uh, Pastor Denny Burns. He's a pastor of First Baptist Peekskill. And he had like a heart attack. Like a heart attack. And nearly died. Like a real severe heart attack. Nearly died. His wife um, is there. And he comes to. And he can barely talk. He's so weak. And he goes. She goes, how you doing? And he goes, Romans 8, 28. And we know. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. That there's nothing that can happen in my life. Nothing. Not being late for a job interview. Not, not having a disease ravage my body. Not having a great... Uh, just nothing that can happen. Is there anything... If God's plan is best, can I thank him for anything he sends my way? Beloved, this is what it means to see Jesus as our plan, trusting that he knows best, believing that he is better than anything that our heart can lead or direct us to. Now, what would happen? What would happen if we started to live this way? What, what would happen if we saw 
that God is both. Remember what we said? Let's, let's try to put this all together. What would happen if we saw God beautifully as Father and King, trusting his authority and his love? What would that look like? Well, our lives would be far different than they are now, right? We would, we would walk around with far less anxiety, far less worry, far less concern for things that we have no control over. That's the first thing that would happen. And then secondly, what would it look like if we understood that God's plan is to conform us under the authority of Christ? What would it look like? Oh, man. It would mean, listen to me, it would mean that you and I wouldn't have to fret so much about finances, our health, our children, that we go, no, 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 I'm going to conform. If others are acting in, in a particular way, that doesn't mean that I am going to behave differently. I am going to conform unto the will of my Lord Jesus. And we know, listen to me, we know that we don't do that well. You and I know we don't do that. It, like, today, you'll leave and you'll go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live... Under the, I'm going to conform myself under the authority of Christ. And then somebody's going to honk the horn at you. Or somebody's going to say something not nice. And you're going to, you know, give them the universal sign like they're number one. And, um, and, and it's not going to go well, right? We know that that's going to happen. So what if, what if we just take a step back? Was there ever a person in the history of the world who had a plan mapped out for them that meant suffering and beating that meant blood and weeping. That meant loving those who would harm you. Was there ever a person in the world who's ever done that? Just one. Just one. Jesus, having the Father's plan. Do you remember in the garden? He goes, and this is, this is a breathtaking, I'll never understand this moment. This is God the Son, who is co-equal, co-eternal, co-omniscient. He is as wise, as eternal, as powerful as the Father. This is Jesus we're talking about here. God the Son is having a conversation with God the Father. And he says, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me. And then he goes on to say, nevertheless, not my will but your will be done. And then he goes and does the most painful thing anybody has ever done. He lays down his life for something he's not guilty about. Listen to me. What would that look like for me and you? We can go. So here's how this happens. This is a, so we go, oh Jesus, you lay down your rights for me. So I don't have to fight for my rights in this circumstance, in my relationship. I can lay down, and if you say, I mean, there's so many things. Whatever you say, I'll do. Whatever you say, I'll do. Beloved, what would life be like if that was your heart? I'm telling you, it would change. He would be glorified, and you would be walking in the plan of God. My prayer is that you would walk in that plan. Resting in Him. Trusting in Him. Knowing that God can't help but give you His very best. As the musicians and singers come up, I'm going to pray for you.
Won't you stand with me? Now, at the end of the service, usually we all go um, to uh, what we would call the fellowship hall. And fellowship is far greater than just eating together, but that's what we call the room. And so we go back there and we eat and we talk with one another. Would you do me a favor while you're around your tables back there? Would you ask that question to each other? Those two questions. Here they are again. I want, to, I want to tell you exactly how they go. If God's plan is best, are you willing to obey anything God says to me? Are you, are you willing to obey anything that God says to you? Or you can ask it another way. What's the one area you're not willing to obey God in? What's the one area that God is not smart enough to navigate you through? And then, are you willing to thank God for even the great suffering? I'm telling you, in my own life, God has used, God has used some of the most vile, evil things ever done to me. He's used it for His glory and others' good. There have been times when I've been in a room with someone and they're sharing their story about how their uncle or their father or their friend of the family came into the room and did terrible things to them. And in moments where I've been able to say, me too, happened to me as well. There's been healing that we've both experienced in that moment. And, God, and that would be God taking the most vile and evil things of this world to bring healing to others. I'm telling you. So what's God's plan? God's plan is to conform us to the will of Jesus our Christ. My prayer is that that would be your desire. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this text that I'm sure I butchered and Lord, you are great and powerful and you don't need my words. And so Lord, would you in a powerful way move your spirit to speak to our hearts, to show us places where, where we don't want to obey you, where your will for us sounds way too scary. God, would you move powerfully so that we might trust you trusting that you have our best interest at heart and that in fact you can't help but give us your very best Lord I pray that you would do that for us not only as individuals but as a congregation willing to sacrifice ourselves for the cause of the gospel Lord, be glorified, lifted high, celebrated, adored, and pursued in our hearts. Help us to love one another as well as we do that. And Lord, would you give us wisdom to know how to apply what we just heard? For we do pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.